This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious, made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at White provisions or discover them online at billyreed.com that's billyreed r-e-i-d.com Don't let the cold weather outside here in Atlanta fool you. It's baseball season, or at least it is in Northport, Florida, and out there in Arizona, too, but the Florida, the Grapefruit League. That's the only one I care about because, uh, you know, this is Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves, and the Braves are playing their first full spring training down at their new facility in Northport where me, Ricky Mast from MLB.com, and my partner, Greg McMichael, Director of Braves Alumni Relations. We were down there last month for Braves Fantasy Camp. If you haven't listened to that episode, uh, check that out. That was definitely a lot of fun. Uh, I will say, as I was walking over here to the ballpark today and I had my big heavy coat on, Greg, I was a little envious that we weren't taping this one down at Northport as well because the weather down there looks a little nicer than it is right now in Atlanta. Yeah, we it, either it's um, raining or it's freezing cold, so yeah. eventually it'll work itself out. But um, uh, it would be nice to be down in Florida right now. That's the one thing that was really nice about spring training is you get to get out of this nasty Atlanta weather and and um, get to be down there on the field and sunshine and, and 80 degrees. Yeah, I, the stupid flu. I'm stupid and didn't get my flu shot this year, so I caught the flu. So I was supposed to go down to Northport last week. Oh, yeah. And uh, I couldn't because I was still recuperating from all of that. So I, uh, uh, the, the flu shot, I will definitely get the flu shot from now on. Yeah, but how many strains of flu are there? How do you know you're getting the right strain? I don't know, but I don't want that one I just had again. I know that. <laughs> if there's a shot that will like, potentially not let, get, let me get that, then I'm all Well, right. every time t- there's a new one now, it's a coronavirus. I mean, there's, yeah. there's something, you know, you're gonna, how many shots are you going to get? As many as they'll give me. <laughs> as many as my health insurance will pay for. <laughs> you just for. don't want to go through no, what I you just did. just don't want to well, go I'm glad through. you're back healthy again. I am too. It's good to be back. Yeah, uh, you thankfully. look like you're, you're back to your old self. I'm, I'm feeling like my old self again. So, rough month, but I'm, I'm back. So, uh, exciting times here in Braves country. First of all, 
Let's address this. This is Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. You may have noticed there's another show out there also entitled Behind the Braves. Uh, A wonderful, awesome, awesome show, by the way. Uh, Behind the Braves, it's a documentary, a five-part documentary that's, that's airing on the Braves' YouTube channel. Episode one came out last week. You and I are taping this tonight. As we're taping this, uh, the second episode will come out tonight by the time the podcast comes out. Episode two of uh, the doc will already be available. Um, lest anybody be confused that we are sharing the same name, I think the idea here is the idea here is that Behind the Braves is kind of becoming its own brand now. And, um, you know, we're not changing our name here or anything. And we both kind of thought it was pretty cool that that's what we, the marketing team decided to call the documentary, too, because this is, it's not the one's an extension of the other. It's just an entire brand of, in and of itself. I think about it in terms of like, I don't know if this is how the marketing team thinks about it. I think about it in terms of like 30 for 30 with ESPN started out as just a one time 30 for 30 mm-hmm. documentary for to celebrate 30 years of ESPN. They're going to commission 30 documentaries. And, but look, look what that's grown into. It's its own mm-hmm. brand that's extended beyond just those original 30 films. It's its own podcast series now. It's become a thing in of itself. And I All think right. that's kind of what – that's how I look at it. I think that's what Behind the Braves has become. Well, let me tell you how I look at it. Is okay. It, we didn't right. get we got to get a lunch out of this or something because <laughs> it was ours first. <laughs> so so we'll be we'll be negotiating behind the scenes. But, no, it, it was great. <laughs> uh, Brad Merriweather, Greg Mize, uh, Adam Zimmerman, they, they've done a fabulous job putting that thing together and and uh we'll have to you know shout to all those guys that are working on that i thought it was outstanding the quality was great i think it 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 makes our organization look phenomenal with all the players all their what they're doing i just think i love the documentaries i love 30 for 30s i love uh last chance university and cheer and all these these sports documentaries that have coming out i think it's just it just really gives you great insight into the day in the life of the athlete what they're doing the fans never get to see some of this stuff i think it's just great i think it's going to like you said i think it's going to continue to grow and but uh i was very impressed and look forward to the new one coming out tonight yeah same here there were well actually while i was laid up and sick and, and putting myself in quarantine in my apartment that was the main thing i did was i watched movies and then i also watched sports document i watched 30 for 30s that I just mm-hmm. hadn't seen yet that I've been meaning to watch. That was what yeah, I said. Yeah, what was your favorite? Can you oh, gosh. To this day, and this wasn't one of the, this is one I watched a while back after it came out. My favorite is still probably the two Escobars. Uh, really? Uh, that one. I have I, not seen that one. That one is pretty fascinating. It chronicles the rise of the Colombian national soccer team along with the rise of the, the drug kingpin Pablo Escobar and mm-hmm. how those two things were intertwined and then right. kind of the fall of both of them as well. Yeah. That one's pretty fascinating. Um, oh my gosh, there, there's so many. So the Lakers Celtics series. That was great. Yeah, I, I grew up Celtics fan. Um, Larry Bird and Kevin McHale, all those guys. Robert Parrish. I thought that was phenomenal. I love the Riddick Bo Tyson one when they fought mm-hmm. in Japan, and they they show that that was that was incredible. Oh, there's there's just so many good. The Bo Jackson one was great. Obviously, Deion Sanders one I love just because I you know was a part of all that and enjoy so yeah they they just have done such a great job and oh rick flair that's another rick one flair, yeah that rick was flair. good yeah, mm-hmm. that, yeah that was a great that one. was a yeah. good, it was sad but good and a lot of them are sad yeah you know just uh, um you know I, I started watching part of the rodman one but i didn't get through all that that's one i watched while i was sick very good and also 
kind of leaves you feeling sad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that's hey, that's part of it. Fortunately for our doc series here behind the Braves. It's all happy. It's all, it's all very happy. happy. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> but I think the idea there is that that's part of what makes 30 for 30 great is there's this real raw behind the scenes stuff or the real storytelling. And that's what we're seeking to do with our, our spring training mm-hmm. documentary here, too. And it's just been I can't say enough about it. I know a lot of my colleagues around the league after the uh, the premiere came out last week, they reached out to me or sending me messages and were just saying this is, first of all, saying this is incredible. And then, the, you know, also asking, like, how did you guys get this access? And, mm-hmm. like, how are the players, like, they're, they're buying into this? And it's like, yeah. well, it, it takes <clears> – <throat> It takes everybody. It takes the front office. It takes yeah. the clubhouse buy-in, the trust, and oh, yeah. thankfully they all—they've all done that. And I think what's cool is now that the the doc is actually out there, the players I think are enjoying it mm-hmm. as well, which is right. really cool. Yeah, two comments for me. I think uh, what I really appreciate about it, and maybe it's because I experienced this a little bit, but when. Dansby's coming into the locker room and Ozuna's there and it's the first time maybe they had said hi on the field in the years past but they've never been teammates so now you see the interaction of welcoming the new guy mm-hmm. I think that's always a cool play because everybody's coming up say hey you know good to see you again and glad you're on the team that kind of stuff and so there's that something he's going right down the lines his first day coming in the locker room talking I think those are kind of cool moments I also like when the pitchers are running and there, you see this little interplay of competition. and Because just think about this. In spring training, we're doing all these drills. Of course, they're not showing – you know, whether it's PFP, which is p- pitcher's fielding practice, you're on a backfield and you're going through these endless amount of, you know, hours of, of fielding ground balls, running to first base, flipping to each other, working on just things that, that are going to help you win ball games. And there's always these interactions that you have with your teammates that are fun if they could be captured. There's little inside jokes and little competitions that you're you're ragging on each other. You're you know, there's there's this kind of jockeying that's going on between the young guy and the veteran and I just think that that's a lot of fun. So you get a little bit of taste of that when Soroka's talking about you know, and Fultonavich, and they're talking about, uh, or, or Will Smith, what fast food, you know, is it Popeyes or, or is it Chick-fil-A? And that was my favorite part of the first yeah. episode was the, 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 the chicken debate. Right, and that right. happens all day long, every day. There's something that somebody comes up with, and they're talking about it, and, and you know, and, you, and it's just a lot of fun. It's just, it's just normal interaction among guys or, or any human being. You just have these plays all day and we do it in the office you know right. you and i do it we talk about it whatever so it's, it's a lot of fun that i love those little things and i love seeing that and, and seeing personalities come out i do too that's one of those things like even me being in the press box during the season like the the guys that are in there those of us are in there every day and are always are also become friends because we're working together every day and we're always busting each other's chops or having fun like that's been our joke is like this could be uh this could be a reality show. The problem with that is, <laughs> a you none of it would be usable for for a family audience. And if they did use what we were saying, we probably be on get, Showtime. We get fired. Well, yeah, but <laughs> we, then we get fired. So yeah. for saying all these terrible things, but but no, that's uh, it's it's been. I love the the chicken debate, and then the the access with Charlie Culberson working mm-hmm. with his dad, yeah, and, and his, his wife boy. and his little boys there, and his wife is handing balls to to Charlie's dad because his dad's hitting him grounders and and mm-hmm. Charlie's son ace like it just 
that whole thing of just it's a, the baseball is a family sport yeah. too. I mean, it's it's really great. Will it's Smith's dog. So if you haven't checked out Behind the Break, go to YouTube.com/slash/Braves and check out the first couple episodes of uh, the documentary uh, with I, I think what is a great name for a show, Behind the Braves. Check it out on there. It's it's uh, it's very really really fun uh, thing. It's been a lot of hard work by a lot of people, a lot of planning. Um, uh, the Diamond View folks that are shooting it are doing an incredible job. Again, you mentioned Adam, Greg, Brad, and the whole marketing team, the work they're doing with it, the amount of planning uh, that had to go into this. It was, it's, I was in some of those early meetings, and it's been talked about for a while. So uh, to see it paying off for all those folks involved and to see how great it's come out is just uh, – it's 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 gratifying even for me just to see it all pay off for everybody. So, mm. by the way, if you haven't figured out, this is definitely a uh, Bubba and uh, Harry edition of Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed. Just us today, uh, because we wanted to, there were so many different things going on that we just kind of wanted to talk about. A the documentary, um, and also with spring training starting up, we just kind of wanted to talk for a little bit. That's just kind of the, the official start to the season, and there's. Obviously, a lot to talk about and a lot going on. And I wanted to get your perspective, too, on, as a former player, that experience of what that's like when you're getting out of the off season and showing up to spring training and getting to work and just, I mean, when you, all right, let me just start with this. Pitchers and catchers report. What are the pitchers and catchers? What do you, what is the first thing you're doing typically the first couple of days in camp when it's just you guys? What are you working on? Are you just, just, just kind of getting the feel for things? Yeah, I mean, pitchers and catchers report, but there's still other guys there. I mean, people are coming in. Some of those guys have been down there since the beginning of February. But really, you're just doing your bullpens, and you're got some guys have a long toss program. You know, you're you're out there working on your pitches. You've got a bullpen session. So Rick Granitz will have, if he's like any of the pitching coaches that I had, he has it planned out from the day you show up until the end of the season, what you're going to be doing. So if you're a starting pitcher, they're already working out the starts. They're working out the prep time to get you ready to bump you up from, I'm going from 30 pitches to 50 pitches to 70 to 100. And they're working that schedule out for spring training so that you know when you're starting the first game of the season. So if you're the first guy, so every year Leo would come in and say, okay, Glavin's my number one starter this year. He's going to start the first game of the season. And then it's Maddox and it's Smoltz, then it's Avery. And they're going to, we're going to, we're going to prepare you accordingly. So you've got this start here, bullpen here, bullpen start, bullpen, bullpen. And they got the whole thing lined up for the reliever. It's a little bit different. I would show up to camp and I'm ready to pitch. Because it doesn't take me a whole lot to pitch one inning and to get one pitch ready, you know, or two pitches ready. But what you're trying to do is now face game situations that you haven't been in. So you want to feel that adrenaline going. You want to feel about warming up. You want to see, get your body going. There might be some things left over from last year that you're dealing with. There were a number of spring trains where maybe I had a little tendonitis and now I've got some scar tissue i got to break up. Then there's just the overall moving around the field. You've got to do PFPs. You've got to run sprints. You've got to do these things that throw into the bases that you haven't been doing. You can't prepare for. So you're just trying to get in game shape, and you're trying to do some of that kind of stuff so your body's not in shock. Six weeks is definitely overkill for a reliever. It's not for a starter. You know, 
there was a, a time back in the day where guys would show up at spring training and they were there to get in shape, position players. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. These guys are fine-tuned. They're they're busting it all off-season, working on different things. And I was going to bring up the fact that, you know, we just found out that Cole Hamels isn't going to be pitching. I was listening to uh, pitching for three weeks. I was listening to Alex being interviewed on High Heat, and he was talking about that he went through the weighted ball program and he overdid it a little bit, something that he did back in 2014 or 16 or something like that when he was a little bit younger. And I guess he felt like he'd lost a little bit of velocity. So he's going back through the weighted ball program. That was something I taught at my training facility years ago. It's something I went through as a player before anybody was ever talking about driveline. This was back in the early 90s. And Chip Smith, who trains combine uh, combine guys and for the NFL, and he's doing combine prep. He had me doing what is now known as, as the weighted ball program. And and that's something that pitchers, it's become more and more popular. But basically, you're taking the concept of overspeed and resistance training with your arm, what people do with their legs to run faster, they're doing with their arm now. So they're, they're taking a heavier ball. They go up to 17 ounces, and they go as low as 3 and 4 ounces. You spend most of your time training with the lower ounce ball because you're trying to make yourself, your arm speed, go faster. Mm-hmm. You don't. If you try to throw the heavy ball all the time, they call it a weighted ball program, but you don't spend most of your time throwing the weighted ball because you're not trying to train your muscles to go slower. When you pick up something heavier, you know you don't. You don't. Your arm speed doesn't doesn't kick in. You know you, your arm is slow, and you're trying to throw it. So you need a combination. But most of the time is spent towards the arm speeding up. It's kind of like if you want to be a sprinter, you don't take you don't put a couch on your back and run sprints. I mean that doesn't make you run. You know you you need some of that from a strength standpoint. Mm-hmm. But the speed of it, you're trying to make those your legs go faster, just like you're trying to make your arm go faster. So the way to ball program is you spend most of your time with the lighter balls but you do some of the strength training and some of that with the heavier balls and so as the combination works you're still trying to throw everything the same you know you pick a speed and you're trying to throw it so everything is gunned by the radar and you're taking these heavy balls and you're throwing them and you're trying to hit certain targets and then what you do is you see just your speed increase and you know and we did it and there was there were everybody went up in speed it, it, there was not anybody out of the people that we worked with. Um, everybody went up, but some people went up eight. Some people went up four miles an hour. Uh, some people went up one. And the average in the group that I was testing was about four miles an hour. And for a younger group audience, I didn't think it was worth the risk. And 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 I think what the the hard part about it was is that you actually you created a mentality in the picture of it's all about throwing hard. It's all about how hard can I throw. And so you were trying to do everything you can exert as much energy as possible to throw harder. And there was no pitching element to it. It was all about throwing. So I think the danger in it for a younger kid is that he is all about, you know, it's all about doing everything in your body you can to throw harder. And of course, you know, we've seen some of the game change that way to where the pitchers are so f- hyper-focused on velocity that they don't execute as well. You know, there's more 3-2 counts than there ever has been. And some of that's a combination of the strike zone being um, more more confined. There's not It's not as liberal. But also it has to do with the 
the high intensity that pitchers are throwing every single pitch. They're at what we call max velocity or max effort. So there's not a combination of, you know, a little bit throwing the ball 80% effort, 90% effort. Everything tries to be 100% effort. And, of course, the, the, the drive line or the weighted ball program that they promote, it, it, it promotes that. Because they're trying to get velocity. So I don't know with Cole. Cole maybe felt like he had lost a few and he's trying to get some back. And so he was going back and reconditioning through the program. Anyway, Alex said that he that he overdid it. And now he's set back three weeks, which is not going to – he's not going to be ready for opening day. So I, that's a long explanation. But that's, that's really what was happening. And I think it is fascinating for a guy later on in his career when there's so much emphasis on velocity – you know, he maybe he felt like that he was trying to get some of that back, and you know, it just kind of bit him in the foot. But yeah, well, hopefully we'll see him. I don't know if we'll see him in April, but I would think hopefully we'll see him yeah. in May. Uh, and in the meantime, it at least opens up an interesting rotation battle for us in the mm-hmm. spring. And uh, Felix Hernandez, King Felix, he made his second start today, and two two starts in, I think he's. Did you watch him today? Uh, I didn't get to see the video. I was listening to the game today. The reports I was seeing from the the, the beat the beat guys who were down there covering him, it sounded like he looked pretty good again. Is he thirty one years old. Uh, yeah, he's not. I mean, he's not. Listen, he's not a. He, you think he's older? Well, he's just been. He's been in the big just, leagues for so long. He's for been s- in the big leagues since he's what eighteen or nineteen years old. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing. He's been around since what oh five oh six something like that. Yeah. Uh, but he's still, and I don't have it in front of me here. But he's still—he's not—he's not that old. So if he's—if he's—if he's healthy, which he came to camp saying he's healthy, mm-hmm. which he—by the way, I think you mentioned that in the the first episode of the documentary, the Behind the Braves documentary, we were talking about on YouTube. Uh, there's some interview clips with him there, and if he is healthy, I think his first first couple trips out there this spring, I think he's looked. Uh, Looked pretty good thus far. Yeah. So you got him. You've got Nuke, who's trying to establish himself. Well, let's again. just say this: if you're not ahead of the hitters at right right now, you're in trouble. Right. So right. Yeah. You, you better be ahead of the hitters. And and it sounds like his game has changed to where he's becoming more of a pitcher, and he's just not where there was a one point in his career where he was blowing blowing the ball by guys. Right. Um, he's not that same pitcher anymore. I don't. I don't think he's. Um, he's like. Uh, some uh, some of the other pitchers, you know, he hasn't lost that much, but he's got to be doing a lot more things. So that in, that even means early in spring training, if you're throwing change-ups and breaking balls and sliders, you're even more ahead of the hitters. They're going to take some time to catch up. So you better be dominating right now is my point. Right. <laughs> well, so, I mean, it's it's very early. I mean, you'll, we'll see how all this plays out. We're not even quite into March yet or we're a couple of days away from it. But you've got King Felix. You've got Sean Newcomb getting a chance again to to establish himself as a starter which from a a team perspective um from a team perspective to me i don't that's it's it's a it's a great opportunity for everybody because if newt can establish himself as a starter again hey that's great if it doesn't work out we saw what he can do out Mm -hmm. of the bullpen last year so to me from the team side it's a win-win there's nothing to lose by giving nuke and and he wants another shot at it and and the the opportunity is certainly there now especially with cole going down for a little bit the other name and this is just me personally the other name i'm very curious about and i want to see the other guys kyle wright is the other guy Mm -hmm. that i think has a shot at maybe winning one of those two spots If, if it's, it's silly to say if the season started today because we still got another month. But if the season started today, it's probably it's, it's Nuke and Felix probably. 
But I, I feel like Kyle. Kyle's kind of uh, let's see. He was our first round draft pick in 2017, mm-hmm. yeah. coming out of Vanderbilt. Um, Started the season last year, but you know, up in Philly. Yeah, right. It's that's the thing, guys. I mean, he, he was a college pitcher, and he's drafted in 2017. But the number of innings he's pitched professionally is still he's not that many overall. You know, there's not that many that he's pitched. So if if he might still need a little bit more time down at Gwinnett. I don't know. Well, part of the danger in how we treat players today is we rush them to the big leagues. Right. And then we say, okay, you need to learn how to get people out. Whereas that never used to be the case. You would you would really learn your craft. I don't care how good you were in college. It is not the same as, as the minor leagues. That's like saying – you know, you take any sport, college basketball, college football, it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. I don't care how good you were. Um, now you've got all the all-stars in the minor leagues and the all-stars keep moving up. But um, you need time to understand what it is to pitch for six months. College is such a small window of pitching. You need to learn how to do that day in and day out at a professional level. And you're right, with not that many innings under your belt, it's no surprise. But I think the bad the bad part is that you mix in now trying to bring him up to the big leagues all last year and have him pitch in the first week of the season in Philly on the road. And then he's up and down, up and down, up and down. That is just really difficult for a young player to do that. And um, so hopefully he learned from that last year. And, and maybe he, you know, if he's the type of player that we think he is and we drafted him because we thought he was pretty special, he'll make the adjustment and he'll get better this year. Hopefully it didn't do too much. I know that that, could, that can really set a guy back to, to have that kind of, you know, career where you've got these expectations and you go up to the big leagues and you get, get your butt handed to you and then you go back down and you're trying to figure it out. It, it can be tough. It's really tough on sure. the guy. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I can only imagine that it would be. He's still a guy, though, I, I feel like this year, whether it's starting out the year with the team or if he goes to Gwinnett for a while, he's a guy that I just feel like I think this is his year where he is going to establish well, There's himself. no doubt he doesn't have the stuff. Right. Just, just like Nuke. I mean, Sean Newcomb has as good a stuff as anybody. That's not been his issue. His, his issue is that when he was in AAA, he was walking eight guys, you know, eight guys a game or five guys a game or six guys a game. He did that all through the minor leagues. And then he comes up here, and then as a starter, he starts struggling with the same thing. And he was throwing 90% fastballs in the minor leagues, and he was still not being able to get the ball consistently in the strike zone. So it's no wonder if you can't do it in the minor leagues, there's no way you can do it in the big leagues. Now, he's shown glimpses of being phenomenal. He almost threw a no-hitter. And um, and then last year coming out of the bullpen, I to me, he's a totally different guy coming out of the bullpen he needs to take that same intensity and he needs to apply that to himself as a starter and if he does that he's going to be a different pitcher and he's going to really help us it, it's uh it's, it'll be exciting to watch again those those kind of things are what to me part of what makes spring training interesting yes it, it stinks that that cole went down now obviously that's not what we were hoping for but on the flip side of that now it does open up some interesting possibilities mm-hmm. to say okay We've got all this depth. We've got, we've assembled, we've stockpiled all these guys down the minor leagues as part of the rebuilding process. You drafted, you acquired these guys in trades. Now, okay, here's the here's the opening. Who's going to step up? And there's a lot of guys, a lot of talented guys in that mm-hmm. mix. There's Tukey, yeah. Bryce Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the list goes. You know, I think Max Fried has pretty much firmly established himself. Yeah, Soroka, as, Soroka to me is a, is a is. 
I, this is just me saying this, okay? I have no insight on that. But I, as long as he's healthy and everything's good, it's Roka to me starting opening day. Yeah. I mean, I you got three guys at the top of the rotation. Yeah. You know, it'll probably it'll probably go, you know, Soroka and Fultonavich and then, and then Freed. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, you know, whether it's Felix Hernandez or whether it's Newcomb or whether it's any of those other guys, uh, until Hamels comes back, they're going to get experience, which is what they need. And, um, you know, you never know when those guys are going to step up. I mean, they all have the talent to do that. Mm-hmm. It's just that they've got to be able to do it game in and game out. Every time they're called upon, they can't do it for three games. they got to do it for a full season. You know, hopefully they get 25 starts, 30 starts, and and now um, they've established themselves at big leagues. But there's no doubt they don't have the stuff. I think personally – that Newcomb's the next person ready to step up. I think he's – last year they didn't let him start, right? So he was in the bullpen. And I think for using that experience from the first year that he struggled, you know, good game, bad game, good game, bad game. And then he went down and he worked hard and then he came back up and he was in a different role. And I'm telling you, that is difficult to do. And I pitched in the minor leagues as a starter and I pitched in the minor leagues as a – as a reliever and when I came to the big leagues it was all the minor leagues that is not easy to do to go back and forth small two will tell you be the first person to tell you that that is extremely difficult they're two totally different mindsets one's a sprinter one's a marathoner and and so for him to do that to me it says a lot about his character and says a lot about his stuff and I think hopefully he's learned a lot from that that he can now apply to going back to that role because he's too big and too strong and got too many weapons to not be a starter that can help us long term. It's just all mental. Yeah. It's just complete. There's nothing physical about that. It's just all mental. Now, stuff's always been there. Yeah. And the minor leagues are full, and the big leagues are full of people who mentally can't make that adjustment to being a successful big league pitcher. It's just, it's not that easy. It's just, for whatever reason, you can't make that adjustment. But, um, think about it. all the guys that have played through this organization over the years that came up and looked had had the stuff but just couldn't they wouldn't be here if they didn't have the stuff it's going to be it's going to be an interesting rotation battle i'll tell you i was thinking about this in all my years as a braves fan and following along with spring training every year and i was trying to think has there ever been a time where an atlanta braves team since i've been following where the bullpen was just oh so pretty much set to where there's only maybe one at most two two uh, spots open but I, I don't even know I, there's think two. I think it's just one I mean you look at O'Day I think it's just, just one Lanson, right? right Martin you have Green um, Smith Green Smith. that's five right there Luke, Luke you got is Luke six. is six so, I mean and you got five stars it's a lot they may but don't they have a 26 spot? So 26 spot, and I think you. So you can. So you let's let's. So maybe two. But they're probably a bench player. Probably a bench player. I'd say I'd say there's maybe one in the spot if that. Yeah. That's if everybody stay healthy. But I don't. Is there a better bullpen than in the big leagues than than that right there? I don't see how there could be. Of course, we're a little biased, but I. I mean, I've seen a lot of bullpens, and that top that to right bottom. There, yeah. I mean, where you're talking about, you're coming into the beginning of spring training. You're saying, well, maybe there's one spot up for grabs in that bullpen because the rest of it's set mm-hmm. that's 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 yeah that's pretty i can't i certainly can't think of another time coming into a brave season where the bullpen was that set well you're gonna need a, another lefty i bet 
Mm-hmm. So I think if there's anything, there's probably another. But but way the way the system is set up now, you got to face three hitters. Right. So that really that Blevins spot is no longer there. So maybe it's not a lefty anymore. I mean, Smith is a lefty, right? He's he's a, right. he's a closer, and um, so maybe it's not because. Or maybe you know maybe it is, but they better be able to get out three people. You can't just have the guy come in for one to face a lefty. What are your thoughts on the three batter minimum? By the way, what do you? I don't do know. I'll see it? how it plays out. I, I know one person that probably hates that is the the dude in um, San Francisco that that just left the Phillies. The manager. Oh, Keith Kapler. Yeah. He's the one. He's the one that hates it. He's the guy that would want to have twenty seven pitchers on his team so each one could pitch an out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is his nightmare. Huh? Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I've kind of, you know, I've, I've listened to it and I've seen what they've talked about, and I see that all of a sudden how it how it changes things. It's taken out some of the lefty specialists that stayed in the game forever, and I think about the guys that I played with who who you know got a lot of people out. I wish that role maybe um, uh, would have been around when we were playing the Yankees because they had what Graham Lloyd that came in and just wore us out every time they needed to get an out with a lefty in the '96 World Series. He came in and got got somebody out, whether it was Fred McGriff or whoever. But um, you know that so that changes the game right there. But I don't know. I'll, we'll have to see how it plays out and and if if we see any visible effects from that rule. But I don't know. I don't anticipate there will be. If you couldn't, I mean. Back when I was pitching, if you couldn't get th- three guys out, then um, you, you know, should yeah. have been pitching anyway. But yeah, that's I'm kind of taking the same approach. Right, the old school part of me doesn't generally like a, a wants to resist a rule like that. But at the same time, I think back onto the brand of baseball I watched growing up, and I don't know that I saw as many specialists. You just said it there; it's like you yeah. expected to come in and get three. Think outs about that. We part. didn't need that rule. Because not there weren't managers trying to take out a guy after every batter. Right. Now, because of the way the game is played, you have people like Kapler who's trying to have 27 pitchers. So now you got to make some artificial rule that says you've got to have three, you know, three, you got, one guy's got to face three guys before he comes out. And, you know, and, and they're, they're worried about the time of the game and all these pitching changes when all they have to do is just make the strike zone bigger and make the pitchers throw more stri- and allow the pitchers to throw more strikes. The guys are going to swing the bat and the game's going to be shorter. It's just, it's not that difficult. Right. But because of all these things that they're doing, they're concerned about this. So they're having to make some artificial rule that says that one guy's got to face at least three batters. You know, I think it's just sometimes we just we cut our nose off to spite our face because we're making we have to make up all these new artificial rules like a time clock when you never had to worry about that before. Right. But now because of some of the things that are happening, you you know, you have to do that. So, well, that's the thing. Like, I don't I'll say this. We'll see how the rule plays out. I after when they announced that that was going to be a thing or we we were pretty sure that was going to come into mm-hmm. effect this year i've really sat down and thought about it i'm like you know i don't think i hate it because because of gabe kapler's of the world who yeah. are sitting there changing a guy every single like mm-hmm. see him a guy comes in throws three pitches up go change yeah. it again and more and it's like i really start thinking about, i'm like this isn't the kind this isn't the same style of game i grew up watching and maybe this rule will help us get back to that a little bit i don't know i'm uh, curious to see we'll see how it plays out well the only thing that i've seen is that we've lost dr blevins 
<laughs> I know. I hate that. Boy, he was so much – Jerry was so much fun. Mm-hmm. I hope he does – where did he sign? San Francisco, I think. Did he? Okay. With Gabe out there. Oh, gosh. I, I think that's where he went. I know he signed somewhere, and okay. I, I certainly wish him the best. Yes. I hope he does well because yes. he was one of our favorite guests we've ever had here. <laughs> Jerry, Dr. Blevins. Um, i got – all right, here's a question for you. As a former player coming into spring training, the difference in showing up knowing – I, this is going to be a two-part question because you're a reliever. The difference in showing up to spring training, knowing that you've got a spot, a job in the in, in your case in the bullpen, and then having to fight for a job. The second part of this is, unless you're the big free agent reliever who's coming in and just signed a big deal, do you ever really feel completely secure in your job as a reliever? Well, out of the eight years that I went to big league camp, there were only two times that I went in not knowing if I was going to make a team. Really? Okay. Yeah, one of them was my rookie year, mm-hmm. and the second one was when I was a free agent and I'd signed a minor league contract, but I got a I got an invite to big league camp, so I had a split contract with the Cubs. So those are only two times. There's there's always an edge. I I think I never took it for granted. You know, I always I was my 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 perspective was not about whether I was making the team. My perspective is, am I as good as I can be? So I think if you always have that pressure on yourself of how am I going to get better? Am I as good a pitcher as I can be? I never had to worry about whether I was going to be on a team or not. It's just like when um, when I was going in to try to make the Cubs team. I didn't make that team not because I didn't they didn't want me, is because they wanted to change my contract. So I asked for my release. I ended up signing with the Braves for my final year. But I think it, it just depends on your perspective. Like anything, you can walk out there on the mound. And if you're facing Larry Walker or if you're facing somebody like uh, Mark McGuire or you're facing somebody like Chipper Jones, you can have two schools of thought. One of them is, I hope I don't get crushed or I get to face the best pitcher and the best hitter in the world and I'm going to show you how good I am. So you can have two different perspectives, right? So you can go into spring training thinking, oh my gosh, how can I make a team or I'm here to to get ready because I'm going to get people out. And so I, I just kind of viewed it that way, that I always was more concerned about, am I doing the things I need to do to be my best? And then the rest will take care of itself. But you can obviously put all kinds of pressure. And we live in a performance job where, you know, of course, everybody to some degree has performance. But the highly, the highly scrutinized performance on a day-in and day-out basis game by game pitch by pitch you're scrutinized about your performance you can you have to struggle with your perspective and if you want to be the best in the world then you better continue to to make sure your perspective is correct or it'll it'll you'll just you'll drown in pressure you'll drown in just um, struggling to be your best because you're thinking about the wrong things so all those guys are going into camp and they're trying to make a team they have to have the right perspective or they won't be their best. That's interesting. I, I, um, I was kind of, I was a little surprised. I was, I thought that there were probably more times for you as a reliever that you showed up not knowing that you, you were going to make the team. So that's interesting. Um, well, I had a long-term deal with the Mets three years. Okay. With the Braves, I was coming off, you know, I was runner rookie of the year. So that next year, I didn't think I had to worry about coming to camp. Um, the next year we, you know, we, we just um, we just had really good teams, and I think part of the issue is that when you 
you feel like that um, you're not like everybody else. You're in a unique position, and you continue to put up the right numbers. Now, you can obviously get blindsided. Sometimes there's just circumstances that come up that you can't you get traded right now i got traded twice i never saw that coming so you can be as secure as you want but you get traded and you know so that kind of stuff happens but there again it's still you're you've you've got to kind of just take care of what you can take care of and that's really just your making sure you're healthy being you know performing at a high level and executing you know, we talk about that a lot, that if you've got to, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't execute, you're not going to be very good. So if you, you just got to, as an athlete, that's what you've got to focus on. But those external things that you can get caught up in and, oh, my gosh, okay, there's only one spot in the bullpen, so I'm fighting 10 other guys. Because think about it, there's a lot of kids still in camp right now that are looking, and if they start thinking about one spot, then they're not going to be very good because they're going to put too much pressure and they're going to put. They're thinking about the wrong things right. instead of going out there and getting that first hitter out. All right. So if you're you're showing up in spring training, you know your job is secure. How much, especially early on, are there times that you're going out there and just deciding, like you and the pitching coach, it's already been decided on today. I'm going out there. I'm going to throw an inning, but I'm just working on the changeup today. And whatever the results are going to be mm-hmm. is what they're going to be. How much of it is going out there, and you've got specifically something you want to work on? results be damned yeah that happens. as opposed to right. i'm going out there to try to get these three guys i'm facing out yeah and and that happens but then there's also the competitor in you that you right. so it, it's a fine line well, i wanted to ask because i wonder right. is it really possible to go out yeah. there and how much can you do that and and sometimes i'm still have to get I, you, well i should say this that you're never far removed from who you are meaning that if i'm a change-up pitcher then I better get that done first. I better figure out – I'm not really – I'm working on things, but I've got to get my, my best, my best. So, um, you know, as I say, if you spend most of your time working on your weaknesses, you're not going to be very good. you got to always spend the time on your strengths, and then you try to manage your weaknesses. So, um, so I'm a huge believer in that. I think sometimes we get caught up in trying to eliminate our weaknesses, but it, it can't happen. You, you just have to manage your weaknesses, and you've got to make sure. So these guys are going out there. They've got to get their strengths down first. And then if they need to experiment a little bit, um, then you can. And you always want to try to do that. But you should make sure that your core is locked at solid. So this first part of, part of spring training is when they should be getting their core in tune their strengths they've got to they got to get those strengths on and then as spring training goes along then they can start experimenting a little bit but if you walk in experimenting right away i think you've got the wrong approach because that that's going to that's going to lead to you not being ready with your strengths because when it comes down to it you're not going to reinvent yourself in the big leagues you got there for a reason you've been pitching for a long time and you have um you have certain capabilities that you have and you better make sure that you stick with that. And then if you can add to them, you know, you talk about maybe adding a pitch late in a career. There's guys, there are the Tommy Johns mm-hmm. and there are the guys that had to reinvent themselves because they lost their fastball. And so guys like in, and even King Felix, you know, we're talking about Felix Hernandez, you know, he's at the a part of his career where he started, he lost his fastball a little bit. He's more like everybody else. He's been pitching a long time. So now he's, he's kind of reinventing himself, but he's really just doing more pitching now. 
So he's got to rely on multiple pitches instead of just that high heater that he that he lived on for such a long time that he knew he could throw by guys. And I think about Nolan Ryan. You know, late in his career, he pissed till he was 45 years old. And at 40, he led the league in ERA. I mean, how about that? Right. But when he got to – but I, I don't think he did that because he was still throwing 100 miles an hour. No, it's because he had a nasty split. He's still throwing his curveball. He had a cutter. There was a lot of things that Nolan Ryan did that he didn't do when he was 25 years old. And I would say he was a better pitcher at 40 – than he was when he was, you know, 25 because he relied on 104 miles an hour fastball. But um, he was much better pitcher later on in his career because he was a pitcher. He knew he couldn't rely on it. And so I think that's not – that's kind of reinventing yourself. But but um, but you're there. You've got to add to your strengths and find out what can complement your best pitch. My best pitch was the changeup. I tried to find things that complemented that, not just come up with a new pitch. Mm-hmm. Because if you, it just takes too much time to do that. And if it was that easy, everybody would do it. Sure. <laughs> well, uh, so we touched on the the fact that the Braves are at the new facility at Cool Today Park down at Northport. You and I have both seen it. Uh, I spent uh, a little bit of time down at the old facility in, at Disney in Orlando, uh, but I, I, I seriously doubt I'm as familiar with all the, the ins and outs and all the buildings and facilities they had at Disney as you, as I'm sure you are. Um, what are some of the big? Th- I mean, I know it's 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 brand new and everything's nice and new, and that's obviously great. But as, as far as like player and the stuff that you're the equipment that you're using on a day in day basis like daily basis coaching staff like what are the things that 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 are really helping them on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. that they have at this new facility that maybe they didn't have at the old one yeah that's a that's a great question because think about in you if you come to truest park and you've been here and you look how we designed it we designed it because we built it from the ground up so it it meets specifically the needs that we have so when we were building a spring training complex, we were able to design a complex to meet our specific needs. So I'll give you just one example. So we have a weight room down there that's just second to none that has all the, sp- the specific things that we needed to get our athletes ready, not only for big league camp, but think about for minor league camp, for instructional league, for our academy, for our Gulf Coast League. So all these different elements, and we needed the right, the the sizing, the the way we want needed it to be designed for the way we think the athletes should be trained. We were able to build it. So we have these huge roll-up doors. We've got a, a cardio on top. We've got all this. We've got free weights, and we've got explosive um, equipment that we use. It looks out onto our our speed and agility field. So we got a hundred yard football field there that's for speed and agility where everybody can come out and do their work. And we've got two big old concrete walls that we can throw medicine balls against and, and, and use maybe some of the driveline type stuff to throw. And for guys that are doing the weighted ball program, you, we, all that's right there. And it's right outside the clubhouse. The clubhouse is all together. And then you've got the cafeteria right there and the academy right there. And you've got the, the eight pack of, of the throwing mounds right next to the locker room. And then you got the cage right next to the locker room at Disney. You had to walk a hundred yards, you know? And so there's all this time and none of it made sense because Disney built it and they weren't building it because they knew 
what they were supposed to be doing. They built it to maybe because they were thinking about all the amateur sports that they were doing. Sure. So now you've got our big league fields, the two fields that we that we practice on are the same dimensions as the big league field here at Truist Park. So now we have three fields that the big league team plays and trains on down there that are the exact same dimensions as Truist Park. So stuff like that you don't think about, but that that's big when you're when you're playing games and practice games and guys are are getting used to the outfield and how things look. It just it, it makes a big difference. So um, so it it's it's a great facility. It's a great place for spring training with the access and stuff in the locker room is very similar to the locker room here the clubhouse i was going to say that was one thing i was in at disney just one time i only went in the players clubhouse one time and that was uh let's see would have been before the 2017 season maybe 2018 whichever year we're uh former guest of behind the braves peter moylan when he was he his last uh, last go around with us on the braves he signed, uh, I don't know if he was signed in spring training, but I was there, happened to be there mm-hmm. when he showed up for the first day. And I went down, just got some video of him in the clubhouse. But I remember walking in the clubhouse for the first time, and I was like, man, this is this is the big league clubhouse. Huh? It's <laughs> kind of, it was kind of, it was tiny. It felt tiny and cramped. And I'm like, man, how are they fitting all these guys into this place? Like, I guess they weren't. I don't know where they were putting They couldn't have been fitting all the players they'd have in camp at the start of it in there. Maybe they did. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, 68. I mean, that's yeah, about it was, what they had. It was, and then you had, you know, tight 20, 20 coaches, you know, in there. Yeah. It was very tight. Right. Yeah, now it's you, – you didn't have chairs. You had benches to sit on, you know, in front of your locker. Now they have, you know – big leather chairs that and they have space out there but you know i don't even think about it's not just the players but it's the support ta- staff yeah you know the yeah. fred stones and john holland and and the training staff we've got actually we have um uh the pools that guys run in there's treadmills in the water so where they where they can actually swim or they can they can run and they have hot hot you know tubs and cold tubs and all that stuff and it's all in one huge area where the minor leagues on one side, the big leagues are on the other side, and the training staff, just the efficiency that it is for the, how efficient it is for them, that just impacts the organization as a whole because now you're all working together, you know, in a common goal, and it's efficient for everybody, right? As opposed to kind of a makeshift type thing that stresses out your staff, and the players don't always understand; they don't have the same things that they need to do to get ready. But but certainly the staff gets stressed out, and and if the staff is stressed out, then it you know it eventually works its way into how they perform, and that's going to affect the players' performance. So I just think overall, it's just good for everybody, and that's what that's what happens when you build your own your own facility. Yeah, that's another thing. Thinking about the old place, and again, it was our home for a long time. I got good memories there. I'm sure players do too, and all that. Mm-hmm. But I do think about walking down underneath and kind of in behind the around where the clubhouse was and you got some of the support staff having to do some of their work out in the hallway because there isn't anywhere else for them to do their work yeah and then you walk past them and then there's like at some points like i don't know if it's food for concessions that's being stored out in the hallway that you're having to walk around and it's it was very much just a lot of stuff was being having to like all take place in the same spot and there just wasn't enough room for everybody so um and this is another thing that's been talked about a lot and that fans probably know about but geographically speaking, moving our spring training home to where we're closer to a lot of the other teams so you don't have these long uh, road trips mm-hmm. for the guys to go on is, is a huge thing. I mean, look, I'm not so, – <clears throat> 
it's big leaf it's the big leagues like we're not sitting here trying to compare it to like a three-hour bus ride to like it's just the worst thing in the world but for a professional athlete like having to ride three or four hours on the bus every day as opposed to 45 minutes or whatever and also again let's bring in the support staff the coaches mm-hmm. everybody that has to be there earlier and has to travel with them it just makes life better and easier and hopefully helps their everybody perform sure. their job better well, I think it's better for the fans. I mean, when you've got seven yeah. teams within two hours or seven teams within, you know, an hour and a half, the fans can all come and see the Orioles play. They can see the, the Blue Jays. They can see the Twins, the Red Sox, the the Phillies, the Yankees, the, the Tigers, and they're all in one geographical right. area. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a better product for everybody. And then you've got a nice place for them to go to where they can watch guys training, then they can watch the game. And so I think it's it's better for everybody, but it's certainly better for our staff. It's better for our players because we're able to incorporate. And even thinking about just our baseball ops department, sure. we've got our all of our offices there, and we have our own staff running this place 365 days a year. So there's a lot of things. And for fantasy camp, it was a dream because they did a lot of things. You know, they asked me, well, you know, what are some things you need for fantasy camp? And, and, you know, how can we tweak this and what would be helpful for you? And, and so that was just great. Just having our own set of having to deal with Disney, you know, Disney might be the happiest place on earth, but it's not, it's not necessarily conducive for, for running the things that we need, Mm -hmm. uh, to, 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 for our fans to experience a better product. And I think we're able to do that down at Northport. So I was real excited about, and we talked about how, how great it was for um, the people who came to fantasy camp. And then I think the experience that they're going to have in spring training and, and the fans and the players, uh, it's, it turned out great for us. Yeah, so if you have a chance to get down there this spring, <clears throat> check out Cool Today Park. Uh, I'm pretty sure my buddy Kevin McAlpin is holding up one end of the, the tiki bar. Out <laughs> Tomahawk there. tiki the bar. The Tomahawk match. tiki bar. He's he's a regular out there. I think he's becoming the Norm Peterson uh, of the tiki bar out there. I uh, think they have um, uh, karaoke, karaoke night down there. I don't know. Maybe they should if they don't. Yeah, maybe so. That I don't was know. a big hit for us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I enjoyed my one evening at the tiki bar. So uh, definitely if you're able to uh, – Get down there and check out Cool Today Park this spring for our first full spring train down there. Definitely do that. So, well, listen, it's it's uh, it's almost March. The next time we're with you here on Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed, we'll be a little bit further into spring training and getting inching closer to opening day. Uh, I, I can't wait. I, I think we touched on this last time with Behind the Braves at the end. I feel like on paper this is on paper is is just that so it's you, you don't know how it's all going to play out but on paper i feel like this is the best atlanta braves team that we've had in a long time and i just i am ecstatic i was talking with uh uh one of my bosses from mlb uh up in new york i was having a, a just we were having like touching touching base and having a call earlier today on some things and uh and i was going just over he was asking me how i felt about the team this year and i was just gushing about it and mm. and he was agreeing with me and he kind of saying you know he's like yeah i think he's like i agree like this feels like a year where you guys could really make that deep run and i agree so i'm i can't wait man we're about a month away as as we sit here and tape this today we're about a month away and i can't wait to get going yeah and i've enjoyed being able to watch the feeds from northport and being able to watch the game a little bit i mean we get the northport feed uh spring training games well you get that pumped in your office yeah well i live here in the battery what who i got to talk to about getting it pumped into my apartment (laughs) matt monomayor 
Okay. All right. Well, I'll stop by Matt's on the way Okay. All right. Well, I'll stop by Matt's office here in a little bit. Then. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all, um, as always, for listening and rating, reviewing, sub- subscribing behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed. We we really appreciate it. We are working on a lot of exciting things for. Uh, the season and even just this next month we're working on some pretty exciting stuff and can't wait to share that with you so uh, for Greg McMichael I'm Ricky Mast we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves Hey Braves country we just wanted to remind you to rate, review and subscribe Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Google Podcasts, Stitcher Braves.com slash Behind the Braves or wherever you get your podcasts Thank you and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.